Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Strength to Strength. It's another day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Strength to Strength is just another resource for the seeker and a source of encouragement for the children of God, a place where we come together and share um, inspiration and encouragement. Um, this morning, we have Mike Fisher with us from Bedford, Pennsylvania. Is that right, Mike? That's correct. And he's going to be sharing uh, about prison ministry. And before we get going, let's stop ahead and have a word of prayer. Holy Father, the only wise God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your care over your children. We thank you that we can be your children and call you Father. Thank you for the blood of Christ that has opened up the holiest of holies. We can come into your presence with gladness and come into your presence with singing. We pray, Lord, that you would bless our gathering this morning. Be with each um, each of your children that have come on this morning, pray for the seekers as well. Pray that your word would be um, lifted up and truth would be taught. We pray that you would be with Brother Mike as he shares this morning. We pray that he would be comfortable and that he would share freely the thoughts that you've laid on his heart. That we could be strengthened and encouraged about the work of the kingdom that's going on. Just pray that your Holy Spirit would be here and guide each one of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. We're going to um, have a time of question and answer after uh, Brother Mike is done with his presentation. So be thinking about that as well. Yeah, Mike, if you could just introduce yourself and it's yours. Go ahead. Okay, sure. I appreciate being invited here uh, to talk about... Um, a collection of things all related to prison ministry. Um, Brother Bryant Martin had asked me to, to be here. Um, I'm here basically to represent Lighthouse Publishing, which is a uh, organization that um, the church I belong to operates. Um, and I'll, I'll, uh, a good part of my presentation is to describe what we do. And then uh, I've got a couple of bullet points about prison life. And some of those I might go over pretty quickly. Um, this is a presentation I uh, share whenever I'm asked to share on a lighthouse. So um, uh, got a number of things that are just kind of general interest things about prison life. And then um, also just some information and not a lot, but uh, we did a recent survey of our uh, magazine distributors uh, asking what it has been like uh, in the past year in prisons, attempting to minister to prison inmates in the, in the COVID-19 situation. And then uh, I think part of the reason Brian asked me on is because I've been sharing some uh, on my Facebook page uh, a couple of months ago, some uh, findings about um, crime trends in the United States that uh, I learned from reading a study on, uh, on those things. So I'll share some things about that as well. So uh, like everybody knows, uh, my name is Mike Fisher from Bedford, Pennsylvania. Uh, my wife and I have 12 children. Um, uh, I own a grocery store. And so uh, we have a, a, a pretty busy life, and uh, God is very good to us. Um, 
So I'm going to go ahead and start uh, my uh, presentation on uh, Lighthouse Publishing. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here. So uh, just a, a few words about what Lighthouse uh, is and how it came to be. Uh, Lighthouse Publishing is an organization that was uh, founded by Daryl Gingrich, uh, who currently lives in uh, Iowa, but it was founded in Pikeville, Tennessee. And it came from a conversation that he had had with uh, uh, folks in a local prison in Pikeville, uh, who told him that um, the greatest need for in prison is for Christian discipleship literature. There is a lot of evangelistic material and preaching and teaching in prison, uh, but uh, there is a lack of, um, of discipleship material, uh, how to teach and train Christians to live the Christian life. And so that was his uh, inspiration for starting Lo a magazine that he called Loaves and Fishes. So he put together the first printing of the magazine and sent it out uh, as a sample mailing to a list of chaplains that he uh, received across the country. Uh, it was in the early 90s. It was in Pikeville, Tennessee. Uh, Daryl uh, was able to acquire a printing press and uh, printing equipment and uh, printed the magazine in-house in Pikeville, Tennessee at, at the facility that was built uh, for Lighthouse. Uh, it was a ministry of a small congregation called Pikeville Christian Fellowship. Um, the As the... Uh, circulation of the magazine grew. Uh, it became much more cost-effective to have it printed uh, out of uh, the facility, and so that is eventually what happened. Uh, actually, the, the printing presses and equipment were sold, and uh, even today, the uh, magazine is printed by uh, commercial printers, and we just order it, and it comes into our warehouse. Uh, this is Lighthouse's uh, warehouse and offices in Tennessee. Um, and then uh, in the, uh, around 2012, 2013, uh, the Pikeville Christian Fellowship congregation disbanded. And because of some connections, um, Brother Darrell's uh, son, Laverne, had to uh, Bedford, Pennsylvania. Uh, he proposed to uh, Burning Bush Mennonite Church for the ministry to, to uh, be moved to Pennsylvania and for our congregation to take it over. And uh, that, that is what happened. Um, the uh, Lighthouse moved to Bedford in April of 2014. Uh, we rented a small facility. It was a former car dealership. Uh, it was small, but it did the job. Well, we were there for four years. And uh, in 2018, we had the opportunity to rent something a little more uh, suitable. It's a warehouse with, with an office and uh, a nice open facility. So that is where Lighthouse is located today. We have plenty of space. We have restrooms. And um, <clears throat> our ministry at Lighthouse Publishing is, is basically about one thing. It is to publish and distribute Loaves and Fishes magazine. Uh, we do mail various tracts and other materials uh, in our routine mail, uh, replying to folks and uh, correspondence uh, limited what we do. Uh, we also print uh, a, a little run of calendar cards um, at the end of the year, about 40,000 of those, which we send uh, to a couple of our larger magazine distributors. Um, the big things that happen here are our bulk mailings. Uh, we try to publish two to four issues per year as funds permit. Uh, and when we have those uh, bulk mailing events, uh, we, we take about 20 to 30 volunteers uh, in an evening. In two to three hours, we can pack uh, the magazines. Uh, they need to be uh, uh, labeled and postage applied to the boxes. And um, 
and a good portion of them are broken down into smaller quantities. It's an evening event. Uh, those are the, the large events that happen here, uh, like I say, uh, two to four times per year is what basically we can afford financially. Um, here's a couple of photos of our recent uh, bulk mailings. And uh, start to finish on the left, you see the, uh, the books coming from the printer getting offloaded uh, here at our warehouse. And on the right, you can see uh, the USPS bins uh, with the finished packages ready to head out to the uh, distributors. Uh, the magazine is a 50-page full-color magazine. Uh, we went full-color several years ago. <clears throat> the content focus, like I said before, is Christian discipleship and is uh, from a conservative Anabaptist worldview. Uh, what we do is choose a theme for each magazine issue and introduce that theme uh, with an editorial from our editor. Um, uh, one thing we uh, are privileged to be able to include in the magazine is an advertisement for Lamp and Light uh, Bible Study Correspondence Courses. And uh, over the past, uh, I it's at least five or six years that we've been able to have this in our ad, in our uh, magazine, uh, Lamp and Light has received uh, thousands and thousands of, of new um, correspondence uh, enrollees. Uh, it also, every issue also contains a book of the Bible study guide for self-study uh, with a background, uh, author and audience, uh, the time of writing, a book outline, and uh, some study questions uh, to help introduce a book of the Bible uh, to the readers. Uh, we also reprint a lot of material that we have permission to republish. Uh, we're currently uh, reprinting a book on finances by Gary Miller, uh, a book uh, called Life with an Alcoholic, where a, a person is giving their testimony of what it is like to be a spouse to an alcoholic. Uh, those are uh, books that are reprinted by permission from the publisher. And we especially try to include articles on the Christian home and family living. Other topics as well. Uh, we have a lot of scripture puzzles in the magazine, and that's a, a popular feature in the magazine. Uh, we also will do write original content. Uh, we have a uh, science and creation uh, featured article that's written for every issue by Andrew Zimmerman. Uh, the most popular section of the magazine is uh, um, reprinted um, testimonies and poetry uh, that our readers will submit to the magazine. We have a little list of guidelines for them to use, and uh, we get quite a lot of material in, and, uh, and we try to select what's of the, the better quality uh, for publication. But we get a lot of positive feedback. Uh, they enjoy uh, you know, seeing the poetry, and they know these people are in the, the same situation they are, and it's, uh, it's, it, it does mean a lot to them. Uh, our magazine circulation uh, up to our last printing was 131,000 copies. Um, however, um, since our last printing, uh, we did an automatic expiration uh, of bulk subscribers who we had not heard from in two years or more. And we gave uh, a number of opportunities for people uh, by sending them mailers and trying to reach some of them. Uh, to resubscribe, but a uh, combination of um, the fact that we've never expired bulk distributors uh, automatically, and also uh, COVID has impacted um, the, the ability of at least some of our bulk distributors 
to uh, distribute the magazine like they normally do. Uh, so uh, based on recent expirations, our circulation is down to about 90,000 in bulk. Uh, I'm sorry, about 90,000 total. And of these, uh, about 2,900 are single copy subscriptions. We do send out single copy subscriptions on request. Uh, we do prefer to send out uh, the magazine in bulk. Uh, it is quite a bit more cost effective to do that. And so the, the primary way that our magazine is distributed is by chaplains and prison ministries. Um, the circulation has grown uh, significantly up, you know, up till the past issue. Um, the um, printing and shipping costs are, are quite expensive. Um, at our last printing, uh, a printing of the magazine cost $21,000 and the shipping of the bulk mailing cost about 11,000. Uh, the cost per copy, not counting other overhead, is about 25 cents uh, per magazine. So uh, it, it is a cost-effective way. 25 cents gets a copy of this uh, magazine shipped and uh, printed and shipped out to um, a prison inmate. Uh, until our, our recent expirations, we had about 600 bulk distributors, and these are going to be primarily chaplains, some prison ministries, some churches, and some individuals as well. An example distributor that we've worked with for a lot of years is Carolina Chaplaincy Program in South Carolina. It's operated by the Mennonite Churches of South Carolina. Uh, they get 900 copies of the magazine each time we print. And we send as many copies as they request. So um, they're taking these copies of the magazine and uh, using them in their visitation to prison inmates in the prisons. Um, our largest distributor uh, at at the moment, uh, at least when I created this presentation, is a chaplain at CMCF in Pearl, Mississippi, who gets 3,600 copies of the magazine. So like I said, pri prison chaplains are the primary way our magazine reaches prison inmates. <clears throat> we have distributors in uh, most states of the United States. Uh, like I said, we do also offer single subscriptions on request. Uh, in 2020, we mailed 397,415 uh, copies of Loaves and Fishes magazine. Uh, we mailed 40,000 of the calendar cards, and along with miscellaneous materials and tracts. Um, our revenue in 2020 was, was typical. Uh, we typically see from $100,000 to $130,000 of revenue in a year. Uh, that was up 11% over 2019. And uh, taking our total uh, cost, our total expenses for the year divided by the magazines distributed, our cost per, uh, for distributing a magazine uh, is 34 cents per magazine. That is, that's uh, fairly typical of what it costs. So why we go to prisons? Uh, these are some obvious things uh, for us as believers. Jesus and the apostles called us to minister to those in prison. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. I think one of the things that you learn over time when you're uh, uh, speaking to folks in prison or have been in prison, there really is not that much dividing us. <clears throat> and I have a thought at the end that I think is probably the most uh, scary thought, most frightening thought that, that rests in the back of my mind as I uh, work in prison ministry. And we'll, we'll finish up with that then. There are over 7,000 prisons, jails, and juvenile correctional facilities in the United States. Uh, the U.S. has the highest prison population in, of any country in the world, about 2.3 million. And you can see the uh, chart there with the incredible growth in the last uh, 100 years. <clears throat> uh, not only that, but the U.S. has the world's highest incarceration rate. 
about 700 people per 100,000 population. That's followed by Russia, the Ukraine, Poland, and so forth. <clears throat> um, since the 1980s, the U.S. prison population has more than quadrupled. Um, and a very interesting uh, fact, and one that I've known for a while but um, didn't really know a lot about, is the fact that over the past uh, time period when the prison population has mushroomed, um, violent crime has drastically declined. And so the question in my mind is why then, while uh, crime has de drastically declined, has the prison population increased? Uh, so I had the opportunity to read a book on that topic. I'll, I'll show it to you in a minute here. But um, <clears throat> here are some trends from Pew Research Center. Um, violent crimes per 100,000 people uh, since from 93 to 2018 uh, dropped from 747 to 368. So uh, about a 50% drop in violent crime in that time period. Uh, property crimes, same same thing, even even more drastic of a decline, more, over half uh, of property crimes have declined since uh, 1993. Uh, so the, the study that I read is called The Rise and Fall of Violent Crime in America. It's, it's not actually a study. It's, a, uh, it's basically the findings from uh, a lot of studies. Uh, it is by a, an American criminologist named Barry Latzer. And it's basically, basically to describe and try to uh, talk about the causes for both the rise and the fall of violent crime in the United States. Uh, that began back in the 1960s. And if you look at this chart, um, the, the, the figures are pretty staggering. Um, and this is crime rate, not total number of crimes. This is a uh, rate per 100,000 of population. In 1960, violent crimes known to police were under 200 per 100,000 of population. And they peaked out in the early 90s at between seven and 800. So you're talking, uh, like uh, the statistic earlier was, more than quadrupled violent crime. This, this is specifically on violent crime. Um, <clears throat> homicide victimization rates more than doubled in that time period. And uh, this, this book gives three reasons for that increase in, in violent crime. And uh, one of them uh, is that there was simply a massive growth of the U.S. population during that time in a specific age range. Uh, apparently, and I did not know this before, the age group of 18 to 24 is the age group that is most likely to commit violent crime. And uh, we've heard of the baby boom generation. Uh, that generation uh, came of age in the time period where the tremendous uh, growth of violent crime happened. And that is the baby boomer generation was born in the, from 1946 to 1964, so 18 to 24 years later. After that period is when we saw the violent crime uh, boom like it did. And so the second reason, I don't believe these are in order of importance, uh, for that growth in violent crime was a sort of a snowball effect. The inability of the criminal justice system to deal with the sudden rush of, of crime. And when when there's no uh, consequences for crime, uh, that creates more incentives to commit crime, is, is his argument. And another one, this is a, a, a difficult one to think about, is that, uh, but, you know, given, given the data that he presented, it's inescapable. Mass migration to major cities uh, in the United States, such as New York and Chicago and places like that, of rural southern U.S. populations with a history of violence. You know, there was a point when... Um, 
there was a tremendous economic incentive to move from uh, rural areas to cities in the United States, uh, and it created a tremendous uh, demographic shift that was a factor in the rise in crime. So followed by all of that, we have the dramatic downturn that happened in violent crime starting in the early 1990s. And uh, this chart is of murders and non-negligent manslaughters. So this is about homicides uh, going in from 1980, a high of over uh, 10 per 100,000 uh, to about half that, about five in 2010. Murders dropped by about half. Uh, robberies dropped even more dramatically by two thirds between the highs in the 1980s and 2010. Yeah, there were times in the 60s, 70s, early 80s when uh, crime was so bad in cities, you know, it was people felt unsafe to simply walk down the street. And that was during the highs of this crime wave. So why the dramatic decrease in violent crime? Uh, again, from Barry Latcher's book, uh, not in any particular order, and some of them seem fairly obvious, more aggressive policing. At the same time when violent crime was decreasing, there was actually a 28% increase in arrests for violent crime. And once they were arrested, more of them were sent to prison and for a longer period of time due to tougher sentencing laws. You might have heard of the three strikes law, and that was a law enacted during this time period where a third felony offense, even if it's a minor offense, could result in a life sentence if the prior offenses were considered serious or violent. So you can get life in prison from committing a small theft if you have prior uh, violent offenses. And another thing that happened, and I, I'm, I'm going to assume this was part of the increase in crime, was the, the, the drug situation. But part of the reason for the decline is the cocaine epidemic ran its course, and, and drugs drive a lot of other crimes. Um, and that drug was so devastating that it, it was deadly to the people who were involved in it. And also, apparently, uh, the next generation uh, was... <laughs> was turned away by the uh, turned away from it by just by its terrible effects. Um, so the greatest reason for the decline in violent crime in the 1990s, according to Latzer, was a revivified criminal justice system. L longer sentences, mandatory minimum sentences for certain crimes, such as drug crimes, uh, for example, laws that require a mandatory minimum of five years for a first time nonviolent drug offense. <clears throat> And this is a paragraph that he gives as a summary. Uh, the, to summarize, the retirement from crime of the baby boom generation was the main reason for the end of the post-1960s crime tsunami. Their children, prey to the lure of cocaine, launched a short-term crime wave of their own. But in the face of this latest escalation, the retrenched criminal justice system responded aggressively instead of caving in as it had in the late 1960s and early 70s. The pressures of police harassment, arrests, and the high rates of imprisonment combined with the consequences of the whole grim cocaine lifestyle set off an anti-crack craze. The great crime tidal wave was finally receding. So obviously, crime trends can change. And just in the last year, in 2020, there was a 36% increase in homicides in, in the United States. Um, in fact, there were more than 20,000 murders last year for the first time since 1995. So almost a quarter of the world's prisoners are in the United States. Half of the world's prisoners are in three countries, the US, China, and Russia. 
Uh, in the U.S., 2.3 million people are incarcerated, 4.7 million are on probation or on parole. A little over half of those 2.3 million folks are in state prisons, a little over a quarter are in local jails, smaller percentage in federal, and then others in uh, uh, juvenile detention centers, immigration, and so forth. And this is at a cost uh, annually to U.S. taxpayers of $81 billion and uh, $100 billion of costs paid by individuals. Uh, keeping somebody in prison costs the government $31,000 a year. Prison population is about 90% male, about 10% female. Um, the U.S. incarceration rate is about 700 per 100,000, but it's uh, the the uh, main racial demographics have uh, a real disparity here. Uh, it is 380 per 100,000 for whites, 966 for Latinos, 2,207 uh, for black. 2.7 million children in the U.S. have a parent behind bars. I'll go over this one quickly. It's a, it's a snapshot into one aspect of prison life, and that is prison food. Now, that's something of general interest to everybody, food. Uh, here's an example of a prison breakfast, uh, what it might look like, some fruit, juice, coffee, cereal, uh, biscuits and gravy. Here's another one. Uh, these, these come from a, a study that was done. Uh, here's another one, juice, milk, coffee, toast, eggs, wheat. Uh, here's an example of a prison dinner. We've got cake and cornbread and something called vitamin beverage, meat fried rice, beans. Got a couple other examples. Um, if you know anybody in prison or you've been there, you probably know about this one, but I find that a lot of folks haven't heard about things like this. Um, there's a way to cook in prison uh, using improvised devices. Uh, this one is called a stinger, and it's made by taking an extension cord and cutting off the... Um, uh, one of the ends and leaving two bare wires exposed uh, and it's used to boil water in a container. You uh, put the two ends into the water and you plug the electrical plug into the outlet and that uh, keep the tips of the two wires apart and that will heat up the water in between the two wires. And uh, with that, you can heat up uh, things like ramen noodles. You can make coffee. You can make canned fish. Uh, prison commissaries have things you can buy if you have the money, such as snacks Condiments, uh, hygiene, phone cards, stationery, clothing and shoes, batteries, earbuds, remotes, uh, extension cords, radios, and so forth. Um, prisons have a special food uh, in some cases, um, which you get as a punishment, and it's called uh, Nutrilof. Uh, it may be served to inmates who have assaulted guards or fellow inmates or done especially bad things in prison. Uh, it is a baked solid loaf that may contain, for example, vegetables, fruit, meat, bread, grains, beans, or, quote, dairy blend altogether. Uh, here's the one you get in Idaho. It, it's made of gelatin, breadcrumbs, powdered milk, ground beef, vegetables, canned fruit, cheese, beans, onions. Uh, loaf is so hated by prison inmates that it has actually been banned in at least three states. Um, Prisoners are ingenious and have time to be inventive. Prisons are likely to remain a vast population that is in need of hearing the good news of Jesus. And I think we're in a political climate where it's um, 
and, and we have been here where it's uh, trendy to um, to become uh, easier on on sentencing and things like that. But the prisons are here to stay, and the population in prisons is basically not going anywhere. Um, at, at Lighthouse Publishing, our mission is targeted to a small subset of folks who are in prison. Um, you know, out of the 2.3 million prisoners, you know, hard to know what section, uh, what sector is interested in, in faith or Christianity and how many of those are serious about following Jesus. It's just hard to know. Uh, but at 130,000 magazines approximately, that is 5.7% of the U.S. prison population. So uh, you could think that um, that's about the percentage of the, the prison population that we're reaching with our ministry, about 5%. So then there's a question of why, why are we sending literature into prisons? Uh, printed material is declining everywhere. The use of printed material is on the decline. Uh, books, newspapers, magazines are, are all in decline. Uh, newspaper circulation, you can see from this chart, has dropped from um, in the mid-30% of U.S. households down to below 10% in 2017, and I'm sure that's only dropped since then. And we know why that is. It's because of the Internet, digital media, which is faster. Uh, it's easily accessible. It's more attractive in some ways. It's, it's also much cheaper, except in prisons. Uh, there is no or virtually no Internet. Uh, there, is, there is limited email. Um, there's, in some cases, some limited and very expensive content allowed on digital devices. And here's an example of one of those. Uh, this is, I think, a JPEG tablet. Uh, many prisons uh, have the opportunity for people to purchase a basic tablet computer. Uh, to me, this is really exciting because uh, of the possibilities it could maybe one day present for sending material to prisons. Um, but it's a, it's a closed proprietary system, and uh, it's run by third-party vendors who have books, games, and music. Obviously, they're curated by, by the prison or by officials or professionals. And they're available for purchase to prison inmates. And uh, the possibility of someday uh, eliminating or reducing um, printed magazine costs by being able to distribute uh, content digitally is, is really exciting. I, I don't know if it will ever be possible to do that. But it would, you know, when you think about the cost of uh, printing and mailing uh, a magazine being $30,000, um, it the technology is certainly there to distribute it digitally to a lot of prison inmates, whether or not it would ever be a system that's open for people to to use or to apply for is, is unknown at this point, but it's an attractive possibility anyway. But, you know, until then, prison media continues to be the best way to reach the largest number of Christian believers in prison. Another reason for, for sending our literature into prison is, and this I've heard personally from prison inmates, is that the church services are are often enthusiastic. They're they're often very um, they're very uh, Pentecostal. They're very exuberant in nature, but but they often lack solid Christian teaching. You know, I have a Christian friend in prison who can barely bring himself to attend the service because of that reason. The, the, the music, the volume of the music, is just insane. Uh, so literature helps fill the void for sincere believers who are really looking for d direction for their life. So some, some things that we've gathered about um, COVID-19 in prison, and uh, we did a survey by email of our chaplains, and we had about 50 or 60 of them respond. And we also hear from prison inmates just in their 
letters requesting things and so forth. But we know for a fact that the pandemic has tremendously increased the difficulties of being in prison. It's also increased the difficulty for many prison ministries to operate. So the biggest issue is probably mental health. Um, the, the restrictions, the isolation, and the constant fear also of the virus causes depression and anxiety. Uh, one inmate wrote to us the other day, and this is just a typical response that we get. We were locked in again, except for 25 minutes every other day. And we've had about two dozen cases of the virus on my block. We're out 45 minutes a day again now, but no visits, library, or yard. And yard is where you typically get your exercise. And library is where you can occupy time and get reading material. And visits, of course, are the, uh, they're really the, um, like the emotional lifeblood of a lot of inmates. You know. And he says he's fine, but isn't very easy mental health-wise. Pray for us all. And one of our distributors wrote, overall, there's inmate discouragement due to COVID-19 limitations in place. So it, it varies by distributor. Um, the, the, uh, the actual employees of the prison, chaplains and uh, some officers uh, have actually been able to get out more than before uh, because there's no other way for, for them to uh, provide uh, chaplain services to inmates. I mean, than having their employees go out and about in the prisons. Uh, but, you know, prisons are used to uh, having volunteers provide many of those services. And that's what the biggest challenge is. The outside volunteers are set, have across the board um, I mean, I, I've not heard of any prison ministry that, that sends volunteers into prison being able to operate as normal in the past year. And so that creates a heavier burden on facility staff and chaplains. Uh, some of us are telling us that um, in this environment, they can actually use more literature than normal. But generally, because of the lack of volunteers going in, uh, there's less being used. About two-thirds of our distributors have said that COVID-19 has affected their ability to distribute our magazines to inmates. You know, this is all supposed to be temporary, but it's been a year now where they've not been able to have in-person visitations by friends and family, in-person services by volunteers, and it has surely had a severe effect on the morale of inmates. And many of these restrictions remain in place with no end in sight. I, I don't know uh, of any such, I mean, I, I don't know a lot, um, details on a lot of facilities, but the ones that I know of, I have no idea when they will begin to resume any in-person visitations or in-person uh, volunteers, uh, prison services. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't any volunteer, aren't any opportunities for ministry during, to prison inmates. Uh, right now, the um, a primary one is letter writing, and obviously, you have to know someone. You've got to know their where they are. There, you've got to know their information, their their number, their address. And the the thing about it is, if you know anybody in prison, it is very easy to find their inmate number and their address by by the online online state inmate locator websites, and we use those um, often at Lighthouse to, to make sure they have the correct information for someone. But we're obviously able to write letters. That can get in as usual. Um, also, digital messaging is something that's uh, relatively new in prison, and it's something that I find easier than writing a letter, putting a stamp on it. And uh, prisons, uh, Pennsylvania state prisons have a, a software called Connect Network uh, where you can log in and send email to a prison. You have to... Uh, again, have their information, uh, and there's a cost to it. Uh, you can also send money 
judiciously to prison inmates. I mean, it does not take a lot of money to be a real blessing to an inmate. If you know an inmate personally, send them $5 or $10. It's a tremendous blessing to them. Another thing that has, this is a, you know, relative, it's either relatively new or it hasn't been nearly as widely used as it has the past year. That is video visitation. Uh, that's been greatly expanded and I've done some of that. That's, that's really nice. Uh, literature ministry, such as what Lighthouse does, is obviously something you can still do during COVID-19. Uh, we've been wondering, what are we going to find when we can go back to prisons in person? And, and I, I think that we'll see a lot of spiritual hunger, a lot of uh, starvation for, for um, in-person contact. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us to go back into prisons and bring in the good news of Jesus. I think we probably will see inmates having more than the usual struggles with anxiety and so forth. All right, I guess some points about organization. Lighthouse Publishing is a ministry of Burning Bush Mennonite Church in Bedford, Pennsylvania. Uh, the church members form the executive board. Uh, I'm the chairman of the board. Uh, we have a treasurer, uh, Seth Salsworth is a treasurer. We formed a couple of years ago an 11 member advisory board, which meets annually and uh, receives ministry updates during the year. Uh, here are the names, I won't go over them. They represent. Uh, about uh, six different churches, and I think all of them are in Pennsylvania, except for Zion Christian Fellowship is in uh, Wellman, Iowa. Uh, where does the money come from to run Lighthouse? Uh, the, the ministry was established when it came to our area, so many of them we do not know, but um, uh, there's a wide range of individuals, churches, and businesses who donate. Um, our primary way of fundraising is by sending out our print newsletters and our email newsletters. Um, and this goes back to 2019. Our revenue was $120,000. Uh, and there again, divided by the total number of magazines mailed, our cost was, our, this is our total uh, cost uh, to produce and ship the magazines for the year, 33 cents a magazine. So in other words, for every dollar donated, we were able to share an issue of loaves and fishes with three prison inmates. Our staff, uh, Daryl Gingrich is the founder, and he still does do some work for Lighthouse. Uh, he selects the material for the free on the inside section, and he creates the scripture puzzles. Uh, his son, Laverne Gingrich, is currently on leave as the editor, but he still manages all of our printing and mailing projects. Uh, Sean Schmidt is our interim editor. He is a missionary in Peru, and he's working for Lighthouse this year, uh, doing, I think, at least three, if not four, issues of the magazine for us. Um, our primary person in, in our office is, is Jimmy Weaver, who does mail processing. He picks up the mail at the, our post office box and processes the mail. Um, I do assist Jimmy sometimes. I come in the office probably a couple of times a week, and I'm the executive board chairman. The, the rest of the labor uh, for producing the magazine, layout, design, uh, other editing, and so forth is done by a combination of volunteer and paid labor. Uh, we, we do have a couple of... Uh, we do have a little bit of a need for a uh, temporary, I'm sorry, not a temporary, a part-time office staff. So uh, we have a need for a person to probably work here about a day a week, uh, learning, our, uh, to, uh, learning our processes and, and helping to handle mail and so forth. So if anyone happened to know someone uh, local enough to be able to, to come into the office, we've been uh, looking for someone like that for about the past year. We could use your prayer support. And of course, we can always use funding. Uh, you could stay in touch with Lighthouse. We have a uh, we have a Facebook page called Loaves and Fishes Magazine. We have email and print newsletters, and we have a website. And the website is uh, very useful. And uh, we get a lot of uh, magazine subscriptions from our website. Um, if you know a prison inmate, 
you know their inmate number, you know the address of their facility, you can come onto our website and subscribe them to receive loaves and fishes for a one-year subscription, and that's, of course, at no charge. <clears throat> also, we uh, receive new bulk subscriptions. You know, if you know that someone who is in prison ministry, if you are in prison ministry, and you can use this magazine in your ministry, uh, just go onto our website, sign up, tell us how many copies you can use. We'll immediately send you uh, that quantity from our inventory, and we'll subscribe you for a two-year subscription for that bulk amount. You can also read back issues of Los and Fishes on our website. Uh, you can read news updates, contact us, donate. So. You can help us by spreading the word about what we do, letting folks know about our magazines, and especially with our uh, drop-in subscriptions that happened recently. Uh, we're, we're excited about uh, finding new people who are interested in distributing the magazine. Pray for prisoners. Write to an inmate. And you can also volunteer for a bulk mailing event. We are getting ready to print uh, magazine issue number 543. In about two or three weeks, we should be ready to ship that. And we're looking for about 20 volunteers from a uh, uh, group that's local enough to be able to come to Lighthouse uh, for an evening to help package that uh, mailing. So if any of you know anyone who or would like to organize a group for that or help to, or just uh, jump in and help, you can uh, contact me. Maybe at the Q&A I can give my contact information. So the, the thing that scares me the most about uh, being involved in prison ministry over all these years is the simple fact that there's one thing that separates me from someone behind bars, and that is a criminal act. Uh, to me, that's a sobering thing. That is a um, something that uh, only the grace of God um, makes any difference uh, between many of us and those who are in prison. Um, being involved in prison in ministry simply helps you to know that those folks are exactly the same as you and I are. They have the same feelings, the same emotions, the same fears and sorrows. And uh, what this is all about is fulfilling Jesus' teaching, Jesus' command to reach out to those who are in prison. You know, Jesus mentioned prison ministry directly you know, and, and talked about remembering those who are in prison. So prisons are really, um, in, they're kind of inaccessible they're hard to get in, hard to get into, and especially over the past year, they've been next to impossible. But I would, I would hope and pray that the least that people can do is, is to pray. Uh, it's, been, it's very difficult on a normal basis, but it's been ex extremely hard in the past year for prison inmates. If there's anybody you know who's in prison, write them. Do what you can to let them know that somebody on the outside cares about them. And if you have the opportunity to, to get back to in-person prison ministry, uh, by all means, take that opportunity. It's a ministry that's very close to the heart of God. That, that is the end of my presentation. So at this point, I suppose uh, there'll be a question and answer. Yeah, that's right. Thanks a lot, Mike, um, for sharing that information and sharing that vision. And thank you for um, being useful in the kingdom in this way in reaching out to people. Um, it's it's an, an important thing, and it was wonderful to be re reminded again of this uh, group of people that needs the gospel, and it's our responsibility to give it to them. So we'll open it up for questions. I have a couple um, to get us started. Have, do you ship to Canada at all? No, we do not. Okay. 
Uh, that's we have two requests that basically get frequently, and we can't can't do that. We basically we have to limit what we can do. One of them is for Spanish material, which we don't have, and also shipping to Canada, which we're not able to do. Not able to do at all. I, I shouldn't say we're not able to do that. It's it's something that that Lighthouse has never done, and essentially it's it's basically. Uh, probably lack of finances is probably the, right. the, the basic yeah. reason. It's been a while since I've thought about that, but um, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. All right. Does anyone have a question for Brother Mike? Thanks for that, Mike. That was interesting. If you had limitless cash today, what would you? What would be your next project? Where would you go with it? Um, the, the, what we would do if we had limitless cash would be to, to, uh, certainly, uh, print four issues per year because the, the, the goal has always been in the back of our minds to be a quarterly magazine. Uh, I think one year, uh, we actually shipped four magazines, uh, a couple of years ago, but generally it's three. And, uh, once in a while last year, we only shipped two. So it really does depend on finances. So, I mean, if there were limitless cash, you know, you could, we could certainly meet our, our, our uh, publishing goal. And then there would be, uh, we, we do zero advertising uh, for what we do. But, but if, if we had the money, we could, um, we could contact, you know, find lists of uh, chaplains of prison ministries and, and advertise and try to build our circulation that way. But we, it's basically, done completely by word of mouth or things like that. We, we don't do a lot to expand our circulation. And prisons are a uh, bottomless pit for free stuff. So uh, when they find out that their cellie gets a free magazine, and if they're even 10% interested in it, they're going to write and ask for one. So that, that in itself is, is the way our magazine gets uh, you know, advertised in prison by inmate word of mouth and by um, yeah, that, that's that's essentially it. Mike, I have a question here. It's a little bit off topic for the literature standpoint. Um, yeah. But we talked about how COVID-19 has really increased difficulties for inmates and affected mental health and so forth. Yeah. And I have a friend who I've been trying to um, keep encouraged over the last year and um, trying to give creative ideas of things to do when he's in his cell 23 and a half hours a day. And I was curious whether you have any um, insight on creative ideas to give inmates. Um, I could refer you to, um, I think our next magazine has a column in it. And I think it, uh, it's a new column that we started offering um, I have a friend who's in state prison for a 15 to 40 year sentence, and he's early into it, maybe five years in. And it's somebody that I've learned to have some confidence in. And uh, he is anonymously writing a column in our magazine called um, Persevering in Prison. It's in our free in the inside section. And uh, I think that uh, that column is about using the time wiser in prison. It's, it's, it's either the next magazine or maybe one uh, upcoming. So I, I thought it was a great topic for him to, to talk about. And I don't have it in front of me, but, um, yeah, there's – he definitely has – there's definitely things that you can do. It's, it's, it's very difficult right now when you can't get out to swap out your books. And, uh, for example, my friend is, does teaching in prison, 
and he teaches how to read and teaches American history and things like that. That's all been stopped for a year. He hasn't been able to do that. So it's right now it's very difficult. That's why this being it's like being in prison in prison. What they what they're doing right now it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so my friend, um, I'm I'm sending him some money every month, and he offered to do something in exchange for that um, by giving him assignments every month. So I'm trying to come up with assignments. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe after after I get off here, I think we we might have some material for ideas. Yep. One other thing I wanted to comment on: um, you had mentioned how it's really difficult to do to get into prison ministry as a volunteer even in normal times. And I would say, especially as an individual, but there are, this is just for anyone listening. There are ways to um, network with established prison ministries that make it far easier to get in. So I just wanted to put that out. Yeah. And Pennsylvania, there's Yoke Fellowship and uh, there's, there's others. Thanks for your topic. You're welcome. Mike. Yes. Uh, is there such a thing as a, as a prison directories? Like if you know somebody that's in prison, but you have no way of knowing how to contact them or to even find them, uh, is, is there such a way of doing such a thing? Yeah, there sure is. Uh, do you know what state they're in? I knew which state they were from, but I heard that they were he was in a somewhere in the western state but I don't have any way of knowing or anything yeah I'm not sure what resource there would be if you don't know the state other than just trying a bunch of them but uh, every state has an online inmate locator some of, the, some of them are hard to use I mean we use them all the time and it's awfully hard to find a person in California for some reason even if you have their inmate number um, and it's, it's, but every state has an inmate locator that if you know their name or even part of their name, uh, you should be able to do a search and then come up with a list. And then when you click on the name, you would have their, their inmate number, the facility where they are, maybe some real basic data about them. And okay. that, but I don't know what there would be for if you didn't know the state. I don't know of any national directory like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. I have another question. Um, yeah. How do you, you said some of the material is written for each, um, for each mail out, right? Yes. How do, how do people contribute <clears throat> material? Like if there's people on here, I'm sure there's a lot of gifted writers. Um, so if they were <clears throat> interested in, in submitting material for a, for a magazine, how would they go about that? Um, for sure, you could contact us, and uh, the our editor is responsible for compiling the content, for selecting a theme, and selecting material. <clears throat> so, if anybody here is interested, uh, you can you can contact me, and uh, I can. And if you have something you've already written that that may work well for this format, uh, send it along, and let us know what permission you grant us, and um, I can send it to our editor. And if it's something that fits with, with some upcoming plans, we, could, we would be happy to, to do that. <clears throat> Sounds great. Thank you. 
Does anyone else have uh, any questions or comments? I think we do well to remember this ministry in prayer. Um, it is reaching a lot of people, and God promised that the word would not return void. I think we should be faithful in praying. About a written material, uh, my oldest three sons were just recently at a Bible school, and um, and I asked them what the what their favorite thing was, and uh, I think most of them said that it was a thing that they had. They had, uh, I think, four or five different men come in and give their life story slash personal testimony. So uh, if you're inspired to write something, uh, that, that would be a blessing to somebody. Maybe you've been through some difficult experiences, or you've, maybe you've been to prison, maybe you've uh, had serious challenges in life. Uh, your personal story and, and how God has been good to you and led you is, I think, more encouraging uh, than just a, a, a bland doctrinal article mm -hmm. on a topic or something like that. So yeah. if anyone's inspired to do that, uh, I think that's something that we could use. It's definitely more relatable. All right, well, we're coming up to the top of the hour here. Um, so I think we can, if there's not a, another question, we can wrap this up. <clears throat> Thanks again, Mike, uh, for taking the time to do this. And I think we're all a little more educated on on uh, prisons. And I guess I've wondered why we haven't, I haven't been more involved. I know years <clears throat> ago um, we had services in a prison just um, not far from where I lived before and I've been there once or twice and it was an interesting experience um, to go in there. Um, made you a little nervous the first time, I guess. But we are surrounded with with these institutions and there's a lot of hurting souls in them. Um, so I hope we've been challenged to participate in some way and to reach these these people. Um, a few announcements before we wrap this up. Next weekend, we have a special event. Uh, Brother Finney Karuvala is going to be with us. It'll be a two-part event, a normal 6 o'clock in the morning call, Eastern Time, and then another one at 3 in the afternoon. And he's going to be talking about um, leveraging business for kingdom advance. So be praying about that if you think about it. Pray for Brother Finney as he prepares. We thank you all for coming and joining us this morning. I hope you've been blessed like I have and challenged. And again, let's remember to pray for this ministry as it reaches a lot of people and um, that it could bear fruit and bring people into the kingdom. Uh, before we wrap this up, uh, Brother Mike, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Our God and Father, thank you for the opportunity to, to meet together virtually with these brothers and sisters in the Lord and think about something that's very dear to your heart. This morning, we pray earnestly for the many men and women who are in prison in this country and across the world, and especially we think of our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are in prison. Would you have mercy upon them? Would you give them peace of mind? 
that you give them calmness and give them grace. Give them, um, um, it's by their imagination to use the very, very limited opportunities they have to do some good in the world, to grow, to walk with you, to fulfill the Great Commission, and to uh, develop and change in their personal lives. And would you uh, bless incredibly the prison ministries who are working now, uh, bless the folks who walk around in the prison, and help them to find the people who are in deep need, and reach out in such a way as would save lives and save souls. I pray you would bless our work in Lighthouse, provide us with the energy and the strength to continue our work, and I pray that um, your word would not return void. Bless these men and women who have listened in this morning and inspire their hearts and help us to be a beacon of light in our community and be a voice for those who have no voice. May your hand of protection be upon us and bless this ministry uh, uh, on this website as well. Have your way in our hearts and lives. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you as you strive to serve him in your corner of the kingdom today. Go with God. Thank you. It's, it's been a privilege. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend.